everybody. Welcome to the What Is Money Show. I am thrilled to have you here joining me on my mission to help shine light on the corruption of money. Now, a little bit about this show and how it makes money. We are 100% sponsor-based, which means that all the revenues we derive come from sponsorships. But I try to be very selective about the sponsors that I work with, specifically trying to choose those who have values well aligned to the values expressed on this show, like freedom, education, self-sovereignty, etc. So what I'm going to do is a few ad reads right here at the top of the show and then a few ad, ad reads in the middle. And I hope you won't skip them. I hope you'll take the time, listen and see what they have to offer, because again, these are hand selected sponsors. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Swan Private. Swan Private is a concierge financial services firm based in Los Angeles. Now, I've known the Swan team for years, and these guys are laser focused on the Bitcoin mission. They even have a zero tolerance policy for all shitcoining. Recently, their CEO, Corey Clipston, was instrumental in calling out many of these crypto scams right before they collapsed, saving a lot of people a lot of money in the process. Swan Private focuses on guiding high net worth individuals and businesses on all aspects of Bitcoin strategy, including buying, custodying, and market research. This concierge service provides you direct access to a private advisor by text, phone, or email. So go to swanprivate.com slash breedlove today to sign up. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Ledin. Ledin lets you do more with your digital assets. For instance, Ledin offers a B2X loan product that lets you leverage your existing Bitcoin to buy even more Bitcoin. Or you can also get traditional Bitcoin collateralized US dollar loans through Ledin as well. Ledin also offers both Bitcoin and USDC denominated savings accounts, letting you generate yield on your digital assets. Recently, Ledin has launched a Bitcoin mortgage product as well that lets you use Bitcoin to buy a home or finance one that you already own. So go to Ledin.io, that's L-E-D-N.io today to sign up. Justin Rosvani, welcome to the What Is Money Show. Mr. Breedlove, thank you for having me. Glad to have you here. We are being domiciled in the TFTC studios here in Austin, Texas, thanks to the one and only Marty Bent. Thank you, Marty. Thank you, Marty, for setting us up. Appreciate you, brother. Very kind of you. Um, the conversation's been a long time coming. I think we've been talking about doing this for several months, and it's nice to do it in person. Yeah, you were one of the first people that I met in Bitcoin. Uh, mm. 2021 Bitcoin conference in the back. Like I, mm -hmm. I, We started talking about working out or something like that. We're going to get a workout and some NFL players. And so I met you, and I think it's just been a friendship growing over the last few years. Yeah, was that the first thing we talked about? That was the first thing we talked out? about. Of course. We're, yeah, we were in the back. We were like, hey, let's do a workout today. At the Sounds day. like something I would be talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and we had some killer workouts this week. Yeah, and then you, I mean, obviously didn't know anything about you or your company at the time, but now you run Zion, and you're, you actually renamed it Zion. I think it was called something else. It was, when, you, when we then. met, it was named N2N2, <clears throat> which is fucking stupid. I don't know. I think what I, I commented thinking. about the name. Everyone commented yeah. about the name. Okay. Like probably the one that was like the most the most pertinent comment was Tony Robbins was a very early investor. It was my third check into the business. He's like, look, I love what you're doing. I love the idea. I love the enthusiasm, but you gotta change the name. Like <laughs> this is not gonna work. Like N2N2 is not a commercial product for for people. And then one of our investors kind of like channeled the name in a meditation and then a month later it's Zion. So. Zion, which is the city in heaven or it's the last the, the way the name was kind of came out for us was it's the last city in the matrix without machines oh, okay it's the last human civilization in the matrix and there's a lot of matrix references it's one of my favorite documentaries yeah. the matrix the documentary not the movie yeah uh, it's one of my favorite references <laughs> <laughs> to things in the world so um that's where the name comes from. That's super cool. And N2N was some kind of node to node. It was thing. the idea was like it was N2 N2 infinity, like right. all the nodes connected to infinity. Right. And that was the the ethos of the lightning network. And but just kind of like Google's like this word to infinity, but yeah, really. Zion definitely sounds a lot better. It feels a lot better. And then you're invoking the mythology of the Matrix and Matrix. Actually, we have a film series coming out about this. 
has a lot of Plato's Cave references in it. Sure. So there's all these embedded things. Anyways, not to riff on the, the name, but I think it's a good one. Yeah, I mean, I, but I do think we're we're somewhat trapped in a system that's similar to the Matrix, and we don't even know the system that we're on. We're, we're addicted to our phones. We're addicted to money and the concept of money. We're addicted to all these systems, and we don't even know why we do them. We wake up every day, and the first thing we look at is our phone, right? It's yeah. like 95% of people look at their phone before they look at their spouse that's sitting right next to them. <laughs> that's sad. It's so sad. Yeah. Such a sad system. I often analogize getting the orange pill is like unplugging from the matrix. Yeah. Like once you see that the money's bullshit, it just makes you wonder what else is bullshit in the world. Yeah, I think that's the experience of going down the rabbit hole. People, they've had their worldviews exploded, so they're trying to reestablish themselves. What's true, what's real. Absolutely, and I, and I think that that continues to solidify the reference. Like all of our lightning routing nodes are Neo, Morpheus, and Trinity in one mm. version or the other. Um, I I think the ethos is of how you unplug from the system. Mm. You know, like change the default mode network of what you think about mm. in the world, and that's a parallel we can go down today. Mm. Like the Matrix kind of defines that, and and I think that's why Zion is Zion. That's why the name was like channeled. Per se. Yes, yeah, channeled. Super cool. So, all right, Zion, cool name, established. <laughs> what is Zion? What are you guys doing? And I know we get a little bit into the technical weeds sometimes when we unpack the vision. So let's try and be careful with our, our definitions and make sure that we're expanding upon everything for the audience. I think the idea, the, the, the beginnings idea of what Zion was supposed to be was a technical framework that allowed a creator to be able to monetize their attention with their fans directly. Mm. That was the original impetus of what am I gonna do with my life and build this business? And it comes from a history that I've had for almost 12 years, right? I, If you look back at 2012, Instagram gets bought by Facebook for a billion dollars and Instagram had an API at the time, a very open API, right? And and when I looked at Instagram at the time, I was like, oh cool, this is like a, this is a really cool graph you can build applications on. So I built an app on the Instagram API. It was an, an app to connect an influencer to a brand to create content on Instagram and then get paid for it. So the network effect that Instagram had, I was like, okay, cool, let's, let's, let's piggyback off that and you can now make money as a creator. So my, my job for the past 10 years has been to monetize creators and brands were the best way to do it at the time. And for two and a half years, we were the only way to run ads on Instagram was my first company, The Amplify. Mm. So I've had this ethos saying, hey, we want to monetize creators. And Zion comes about in 20, 2020 because I read the Lightning White Paper and said, look, this is a much better way to get paid from another person. There's instant settlement. There's instant remittance. It goes at the speed of light. There's mm. no one that has to be in the middle of that transaction and you could spend it immediately. And you could run millions of these a second and there's basically no fees mm -hmm. and it's like a beautiful way to send money. And so the ethos was, can we build a system for creators? And so what, what's evolved over the past two years is Zion has built a protocol, a opinionated protocol on how to build a social network. And then on top of that, we've built a client, an actual application that creators can use to build those communities. But the three things that this application framework is trying to solve for is identity, messaging and data storage. So how do the packets actually move across applications? And then the money. And we do that with Bitcoin. We do that with the Lightning Network. We use DIDs as the base layer of identity, right? When I like started researching identity, and this was like two years ago, I didn't know how everything is highly centralized. Like most people are using Gmail. Two billion mm -hmm. people in the world use a Gmail account to log into everything they do. Everything from their bank to their credit card to their cell phone provider, everything. They use a Gmail account. And that's the effect that we've seen across everything is you use a centralized email, but if that gets cut off, everything downstream gets removed. So what could you build as an identity that has a open decentralized registrar that if someone can go and fetch and say, oh, this is actually the person that they're saying they are because their phone holds the private key. Mm. Their phone holds the actual device that's the signing device of that key that's mm. held on Bitcoin. And we'll get into exactly the technical stuff. And then how do messages move? Like when I send you a text, how does that work? When I go to Instagram and send you a direct message, how does that work? When I send a tweet, how does that actually work? 
is there a new way that creators can send messages to their fans? And then the final piece, and I would say the most important is how do you monetize, right? Effectively, how do you send a payment to someone else and make it streamlined and easy? And we're seeing that the creator support model is actually a very real thing. What people don't really understand is that OnlyFans is a bigger revenue business than Twitter. Mm. OnlyFans did 4.4 billion in revenue last year. Twitter did four. And Twitter is a super influential thing. But we have a proxy to know that people actually want to pay other people for things. Patreon's a $400 million a year business. These are all proxies that say people want to support mm -hmm. the creator economy. Mm. And I think this this goes out to, I have a much larger ethos around this. And this is kind of like, where did I, why did I come to this conclusion? The conclusion has come is, let's look at the history of what is a platform. So if you look at the early 2000s, what established at Plaz platforms was Google and Apple. Apple and Google developed the platform network. They got the phones, they got search. They were the beginning of platforms. And then if we fast forward to the 2010s, what became platforms are actually the next downstream layer. If we look at the OSI stack, the next downstream layer, which is applications. That's when we saw Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That's the next layer on top of Apple. What I believe the next step function, logically speaking, is now we've, we've entered a new age of creators. Creators are the next step inside the network effects that are businesses. It's not going to be the Facebooks anymore. It's not going to be the Twitters. It's not going to be another major network like Twitter. It's going to be Mr. Beast. It's going to be Marty Bent. It's going to be Robert Breedlove. And I'm continuing to support that level of creators in Zion because we're building the tools and the infrastructure for you to monetize your audience more directly. Hmm. It's fascinating. I mean, it's monetizing attention is another way to say it. When you say monetizing creators, it's, it's just it, the attention that's the, the intention that they're creating, the content that they're developing right. without a third party, right? So, without a trusted third party. I mean, it, it's very interesting because you look at the analogies of Bitcoin to what's happened in the creator economy is that we had a trusted third party that would rely on your content being distributed to your fans. That's every centralized social media network. But that trust has now been devoid because of censorship. Because if you don't tote the line of exactly what you're supposed to say, when you're supposed to say it, mm. your audience doesn't exist anymore. But right. ultimately, people are not following Twitter. They're following Robert Breedlove. They're following your ideas. They're following Jordan Peterson's ideas. But the way they get those ideas are through highly trusted third parties. Mm. And I said, yeah. and, I, and I asked myself, is there a system that can be created that allows that trust to be removed but you can still get that information. And that's the thing that I've been spending all of my life force energy on for the last two years. So, and then the how that manifests, as we were talking about at lunch, you have a protocol that you're developing. Yes. And there's an application that you're developing. An opinionated client, exactly. An opinionated client. Yeah. Which would be one version of what you can do with the underlying protocol. Exactly. Other users would be open to use the protocol to create other applications of the same variety. Exactly, exactly. And and so how, I guess this is, I don't really know, there's a lot of ways to cut through this conversation, but we have to talk about the Lightning Network first. Like what is it about, I'm guessing, you tell me, what is it about the Lightning Network that makes all of this vision possible that it was not possible without the Lightning Network? Peer-to-peer -peer payments with instant settlement at the speed of light. The thing that, I couldn't do 10 years ago when I started my first company was that if I wanted to pay a creator, I could never do it quickly. I could never do it fast. I could never do it with that allowed instant settlement. And I couldn't do it with a third party, AKA a bank or a payment service. So the power of the lightning network is that me as a business owner, as a creator, whatever I, we want to call me, I can develop a service and I can use an open, open source piece of software. I can connect into this network of thousands of exist existing systems and users and dozens of applications and I can be a part of that payment network instantly and send money, not large transactions, micro penny transactions for moments in time, for a like, to stream sats to watch a video to stream sats, to watch a piece of content. So the unlock that I can now make money, digital money like water, 
and move it like a river between two individuals, that's the impact of the Lightning Network. Mm. It's not just this, that I can unpack and say this quick payment, whatever. It's, it's about that I can make money liquid. That's the analogy that I love to use. And you as a creator now can unpack monetization strategies that you've never seen before because the money can also move in any direction. Mm-hmm. We're also unlocking the next layer of the creator economy, which is the followers of that individual influencer, the people that follow you, your fans. When you say unlock the fans, what does that mean? That they can now monetize their activities as well. They can monetize their Because we're all both, right? We're all consuming and broadcasting on social media. And creating, media. 100%. Yeah. We're doing both at all times. Yeah. And I think the, you know, you have super fans that would potentially take your stuff and comment and say, this is my interpretation of it. Why can't that person be paid? Mm. Or what if someone took your podcast and then developed a bunch of clips and reposted it to your community? Should they get some sats for that? Should mm. they get some payment mm. for that? Should you get remunerated because you're the original creator of that content? Mm. These are all things that are available in these systems. So then the game becomes create the most, kind of similar to the game today, that create the most viral content and get paid. But in this case, you're just getting paid more, a larger share of the revenue because you're getting paid directly versus an intermediated I mean, look at model. look at what's happening on every social platform, right? So probably YouTube is the best and they give you 50%. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything else doesn't really give you anything. Uh, You don't get any of that ad revenue. Mm -hmm. A Patreon gives you 80%. OnlyFans gives you 80%. That's the best proxies that we have, right? Because they built this network effect. Mm -hmm. But what if you can have all that same things, but get 95%? And then if you run your own node, get 100% of that network. Like what happens there? Like what what are the unlocks of that value? 20% is a lot. Right. It's, it's the ability to remove middlemen. And that's been my, if you think about it, it's been my whole career, right? I built this app on the app store originally to remove managers and talent agents from creators working with brands because they were taking 20% for what? So right? let's talk about that. Like expand upon that, what you did in your past life and how that got you on this vision. So the original vision of the Amplify was that which was why, your old app, right? It's, it's, it, yeah, the Amplify was an influencer marketing business, okay. right? But but it wasn't, the focus was the technology. The focus was there's a mobile app on your phone on the most intimate device in your life. And at moments you can get a message and saying, hey, Unilever Dove wants to work with you on this campaign. If you create a photo with this thing, I'm gonna pay you $10,000 to do that post. This, every app now does, every influencer marketing company does at the time, but at 2012, nobody was doing it on an app. It was the first app on the app store that did that. Why was that important for the creator? Because for them, it was very simple to do this post on Instagram. Um, There was no manager dealing with contracts. The moment they posted it, they would have gotten paid instantly on PayPal. So I've had some experience in in building on top of payment networks. And it removed the friction of having contracts and the heaviness that a agent and an agency org and a manager org has. Cause mm-hmm. it's just a piece of content on Instagram. It's not a mm-hmm. big deal. It's not this multi-year thing, mm-hmm. just content. That's what I did for a long time. And you know, I was blessed to sell the business in 2016 because we were one of the first that did this stuff. We were very early mm-hmm. in the process, but with that, taught me is I sat next to creators for 10 years and I understood their problems. Like, where do they make money? How are they monetizing the situation? And they're really not right. Like you don't make money on Instagram or Twitter for putting content on Twitter. You don't, you make money from monetizing your podcast Mm -hmm. and people are, and that's a, that's another third party that's getting in the, in, in the middle. But like truly the people that listen to you don't pay for your stuff. That's right. They're, they're being arbitraged. They're, paying with, their they're yeah. paying with their attention, but they're being arbitraged, right? What does that mean? That you, there's like, there's an arb- there, there's an say. arbitrage in the sense of there's an advertiser in the middle of that. That's how you're monetizing you to keep going. Is there's an advertiser in the middle to say, hey, yeah. I'm going to pay you to keep doing this. Yes. But yeah, you're selling some of your audience's attention to the sponsors. Exactly, yeah. and then. And then and it, you know, maybe it's good for them. Maybe it's not good for them. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that the ad model is the best model. Mm. It's just the model that we've said that this is the way to do it, but I don't think it's the best one. Yeah. I mean, it's heavier in general. I mean, so I guess what I'm detecting here is we've always wanted to communicate. We've always needed to communicate. We've also always needed to transact with one another, but there's some 
common ground being established perhaps between the two on this in this internet vision where you actually have money moving with messaging itself exactly so you're paying with likes or getting paid for posts or whatever it may be so it's almost like the the and bitcoin obviously is very fundamental to this but it makes money and language much more closely related because now with bitcoin you just to to know your private key is to own something sure we've never had anything like that before so this is a second order third order consequence of that unification is that like is this the larger vision you see money and information sort of melding together in this creator economy absolutely and and i think that most importantly it's the most important form of communication Mm -hmm. money is the most important message that you'll ever send to somebody Mm -hmm. it's the most it's the most important thing that you're going to be there's a new definition for money right there never (laughs) heard that one money is the most important message you'll ever send to somebody thank you it's, it definitely carries the most weight for yeah. sure because I would say we all know actions speak louder than words. Yeah. But to actually accumulate capital, which money represents a, a claim on, takes many, 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 many actions typically. Yeah. So capital speaks louder than actions, which speaks louder than words. So when you talk about money speaking loudly, or yeah, I guess you could sum this up in a, a rap lyric, right? Don't talk, let your money talk for you, something like that. So yeah, money, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's money, a good. Money talks bullshit. I'm always trying to identify these answers to the what is money question, so you just dropped one right there. I had to highlight it. Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm happy we unpacked that. Because <laughs> I, I always thought about money in that way, right? It's the ultimate data. Yeah. It's the ultimate piece of data. Yeah. And then Bitcoin, most importantly. And and I think the, the brilliance of Lightning and Bitcoin is also this openness to it, right? Like we were at lunch today, and I created a you know receive invoice on Zion, and I could use five different applications to pay that invoice. And you use your Moon Wallet mm-hmm. to instantly pay that invoice, and I sent you know we could do that back. We have no connection to Moon. Mm-hmm. We have no API. We have nothing. Right. We just have this open standard that we followed, right. and now our application, this random social media app, is now part of a larger payment network mm. that didn't require me to call any company. It didn't require me to do anything. It was just, hey, follow this open standard, and now you're part of the largest payment network ever created. It's amazing. That's, like that to me is an unlock amazing thing. Yes. And if you think of like even V1 Zion, and this was the first app that we built, and this is not the V2 that we'll unpack a little bit more around identity, is that I launched that app with I used all my own capital. I think I spent a couple hundred grand, not a lot of money put it out to the market to just see, are people gonna actually buy this thing? Like, is this something people want? We processed 120,000 lightning transactions between creators and fans in the first five months. And I never built a payment company in my life. I just used this open source code to Mm. do that. And I think that's brilliant, right? You're talking about something 20 years ago, like PayPal took billions to produce. Yes, created trillions in enterprise value, whatever, Mm. but it took billions to produce that payment network. Mm. I'm building a payment network off an open source system, being able to do the same and and speed. Did you see how fast that was? It was instant. It was yeah. crazy. I was like, damn, yeah. that was fast. And it's f- essentially final settlement. Exactly. Possession instant it, yeah. finite settlement, instant remittance. Because I can take that those UTXOs immediately. I can take that, not the UTXOs, but I can take those stats immediately and go buy anything I want. That's right. And it's over. Mm-hmm. It's over. So we were talking at lunch too. Obviously, there is a huge demand for this open, permissionless payment network that is Lightning, and now you're building applications on top of the Light. So these are the Lightning applications. Is that we could call them that? Yeah. Okay. Um, huge demand for that. I agree with you. But when we look at, I guess what we'll call legacy social media, there are extremely strong network effects holding these things together. Absolutely. And so how do you think about that? Like what, because I mean, just from a theoretical perspective, it seems like a lot of the network effects are difficult, if not impossible to break unless you pay users somehow to, to defect from the networks. How do you think about that? Like, is that, I know you said you had maybe a targeted community strategy. I I think what we're, what we're going to see and what's going to evolve is the strategy is exactly how I described it earlier is we've evolved from platform-based systems to applications to now creators. Mm -hmm. Zion is an application for creators to build communities. Mm -hmm. 
And the creators that we are building is creators like yourself. You're an investor in the company, mm-hmm. right? You've you've decided to be a part of this in a capital intensive way. You, including Tony Robbins, Aubrey Marcus, Aaron Rodgers, Mark Moss, yourself, Sean Stevenson, Griffin Johnson, plus our entire creator council, mm-hmm. which are people that are equity shareholders in the business. Most of them happen to be Bitcoiners. We believe that the future social networks will revolve around the creators of those systems and around specific ethoses of what they believe, mm. right? What do you believe? Twitter doesn't have anything that you believe in. You don't go to Twitter because, man, the ethos of Twitter is really this. It's just the only thing that's available right now. But what if a social network emerges that has a specific value system that's built around it? that's built on top of a specific cryptocurrency that's built with specific creators. Those are the future social networks is what, what Balaji calls the future network state per se. Mm. It's built around ideas and groups of people, not these massive network effects. So my strategy is to support creators that want to build sovereign communities. And I, I feel like you're one of those people. I think Marty's one of those people. I think that Mark is one of those people. I think that Tony's definitely one of those people. I know Aaron Rodgers is because of all the things that's happening in the NFL to him. And these people are my investors. They've decided to give me capital to go do this thing. Mm-hmm. That's my strategy is to go after and bring as a part of my journey saying, look, I think you want to build a sovereign community on the web. And this is the technical pattern that I want to do that in because Zion will be the last platform that you ever create. Mm. That's the big vision for Zion. Yeah. The last social media. You'll ever have to create. That is very bold indeed. Um, okay. But, but there's a technical reason to it. It's not a. It's not just a statement. There's like a technical protocol architecture to why that is. And what is that? So we talked, I mean, we haven't gotten into the Web5 stuff, but maybe that'll be a good time when we get into that, like that I can unpack why that is. But there's a okay. technical, like that term of saying this is the last platform that you'll ever build is a technical architecture choice, not just a phrase that I'm deciding to make. There's actually a very specific technical reason why I think that's the case. Okay, you want to save that for later though? We could save it for later. I mean, it could go, I think it's going down that as a part of that discussion around Web5. Well, maybe before, well, I have one other question. I don't know where this slots in, but you said something earlier that maybe self-sovereign communities is the right term here, but enabling creators to be able to take their followers with them and they leave one application walled garden and want to go to another yeah is that should that's, we say that for web five or is that i mean that it, it, it is now? the vision of web five mm. that's like the vision of to why but we can unpack it as you wish i still don't know what web five means so we can unpack that first <laughs> so um the web five stuff is i think a bit of language and marketing from block obviously of course and um, they were trying to differentiate themselves from Web3 and just skip a step, I guess. But it's a set of technical patterns that allow you to build decentralized applications. Um, and Zion is built on top of this prim- these primitives, right? DIDs, which are decentralized identifiers, uh, verifiable credentials, which is a verified credential that a corporation would give you to say who you are. And then finally, decentralized web nodes, which is like the data storage and schemas that any application can be built on. And then our secret sauce is we've, we're adding lightning to the whole thing. Um, that's not part of the original spec, but we're adding payments to it because we think money is what makes it all, all work. If you think about those primitives, you can build almost any application in the world. You take data storage, messaging, and identity, pretty much build any app. Mm. You take money and identity, you've built every, almost any payment app. Right, And so it's interesting that you think about these building blocks, what are the type of applications you can use and build? So that's what Web5 is, the vision that you can build any type of application using these primitives, but the key is core interoperability. Mm-hmm. Imagine if all the applications in the world on your phone weren't just open source, but they were also open state. You can change the state machine of the client based upon the data inputs you make. And that doesn't exist in any application framework right now. That okay, so we have to define, I think, open source versus open state. Yeah. Because open state's a new term for me too. I think it's it's so so open source in my definition 
is the ability to go to potentially GitHub and review the code, right? Bitcoin is open source. Open state is the ability to also change what that application can do and the state in which the database lies. Mm. Bitcoin is also open state. Most applications in the world, if they are open source, they're not really open state, right? You can't actually change the underlying architecture. You can't actually change. Maybe you can contribute to the code, but you can't actually change what the databases do or where the databases point. Mm. An open source and open state architecture allow you to do both. And my vision, my future vision is that Zion is built on a system that's open source, but also open state. And why that's important is that when you want to take your followers with you and go to another opinionated client, you take all the data, all the data is already signed with your DID, and we can get into the details of that, why that's important of signing messages cryptographically on every single post. And then you can now self-host your entire community and nothing changes for the user. It's the same experience, but you're hosting it now instead of Zion. That's what we mean is that the next social network should not have an opinionated version of how a database should look. If they use DIDs as the identifiers, if they use decentralized web nodes as the data storage piece, you can just port over and say, hi, this is Robert Breedlove's DID. These are all my followers. Do you want to take them with you? Mm. That's the interesting thing about building a protocol is that my, my whole reasoning behind building Zion on the Lightning Network is I get to capture all of the network effect that the Lightning Network already exists. All the users of the Lightning Network are already users of Zion mm -hmm. because we're a Lightning Wallet, which means we're interoperable with that entire system. In the future, Zion has millions of users. They use DIDs as the identifier. Another person could come like, why would I want to build another application framework when I can use DIDs and decentralized web nodes as the logins? And I'm just going to use that opinionated framework and build my own client. That's the future of this web is this interoperability of identity and data storage and payments. And all these primitives are rooted in Bitcoin? How are they're they're rooted in Bitcoin in, in some ways. So we use so our did spec, right? So DIDs are like a standard of an identifier. We use did colon ion. Did ion, what it does is in order to create kind of an open registrar, it actually writes the hash of your DID to Bitcoin Core. So what that does is you're on your phone, you create your DID, we give you a private key and encrypts it on the secure storage of the device. Then we send it to, we have our own ION node. That ION node writes the hash of the DID to IPFS and then actually writes that as a transaction to Bitcoin Core. So now your DID, which is signed by your private key, gets held on Bitcoin. The, bi the biggest kind of key storage database, open data storage base in the world. Mm -hmm. And now people can say like, if I have that private key, I am that person that created that hash originally on Bitcoin. And now I have an open decentralized registrar that is Bitcoin core. So now my identity lives on a database that Zion doesn't control. Mm. That's the brilliance of all this stuff is that Bitcoin isn't just used as this payment network. It's also a storage of keys. Right. So yeah, the, the big theme here is increasing user control over their own destiny online, right? In terms of the money they bring in, how they get paid for the content they create. And then ultimately, if you're leaving one framework and going to another, if you leave Twitter today, you don't get to take your Twitter followers with you to Mastodon or no. these other platforms. But in this universe, that would be possible. hundred percent. That's the whole point. That's like the, the thing about why I'm spending so much time is Zion is not the same thing as everything else. Mm -hmm. Locals, Rumble, name the fucking alternative. We're not building the same else. The, all the primitives are completely different. So people are like, why does it take so long? Why is it so different? It's because we're building a completely different application framework. Mm -hmm. Your ID is not a username and password on a centralized Gmail address. And these assholes are complaining they're decentralized and censorship resistant. Bullshit. Bullshit, you're lying to people. You can turn those things off just like anything else. You're making a pledge. These people are just making a pledge that we are this right. freedom group, whatever. No, they're building the exact same bullshit as everybody else. And it fires me up because it's actually a lie. Mm -hmm. And I'm tired of this nonsense lies. I'm tired of these people going on like, oh, we're this, this, we're this, that. But you look at the primitives and you're like, no, actually none of that is that. Mm -hmm. You're just making a promise that I'm this mm -hmm. thing. You're not, you're just making a promise. These primitives, Bitcoin as the core of everything, 
is what differentiates what we're doing. Mm. And without Bitcoin, none of this happens. Without the money, none of this happens. Mm. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a Bitcoin-enabled alternative to legacy health insurance. Now let's face it. Legacy health insurance is an absolute scam. Nobody can explain this better than the legendary comedian Chris Rock. Insurance. You got to have some insurance. You got to. There's an insurance. They shouldn't even call it insurance. They should just call it in case shit. <laughs> like, I give a company some money in case shit happens. Now, if shit don't happen, shouldn't I get my money back? <laughs> So with CrowdHealth, instead of just paying premiums that you'll never see again, you can hold part of this pool of savings in dollars and in Bitcoin through CrowdHealth. And when you have a health event, you can draw against this pool of communal savings. So go to joincrowdhealth.com slash breedlove to learn more or sign up. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Wasabi Wallet. Wasabi lets you use Bitcoin privately while still maintaining full control over your money. Specifically, Wasabi Wallet is an open source, non-custodial wallet with privacy built in by default. By using Wasabi, you're effectively putting the private back in private property. Wasabi Wallet is an easy to use privacy wallet that can support any amount of Bitcoin transactions. So go to wasabiwallet.io today to download this state-of-the-art wallet software. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Masterworks. Masterworks gives you access to the fine art market at more affordable price points. They do this by offering you fractional shares in their $500 million portfolio of fine art. Now fine art is an alternative asset class and historically it's been a great performer and a really good hedge against inflation. Most investors typically hold anywhere from 2 to 10% of their assets in an asset like fine art. To sign up or learn more, go to masterworks.com and use promo code BREEDLOVE. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Casa. Casa makes it simple to buy and secure your Bitcoin without wondering whether you're doing it right. Specifically, Casa provides a multi-key custody solution, which is by far the most secure way to custody your Bitcoin. Now, when I talk about Bitcoin being theft-proof money or inviolable private property, a multi-key custody model is exactly what I am talking about. Using multiple keys lets you maintain full control of your Bitcoin while also giving you redundancy in case you lose one of the keys. It's also the best way to secure your Bitcoin for inheritance planning purposes. So go to keys.casa, that's C-A-S-A, today to sign up and use discount code breedlove so the theme again is like self-sovereignty you control it's almost like ownership in your follower base property yeah, rights in your audience something property like that. rights in your audience yeah that's incredible okay i mean that that's that's the goal right like right now it doesn't exist you know we can go to your phone and what happens if your twitter gets turned off right like right. I, this is even worse now Elon's whatever. You have one fucking guy that owns the whole thing. And he could just say, you know what? I don't want this person there anymore. He can decide that. Mm -hmm. And your entire audience gets wiped. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing thing. So now we're on censorship. Of course. Uh, obviously a very hot button topic these days. What, I mean, I think I'm starting to get some sense of it here, but what is the vision you have of this new world in relation to censorship? Like, does it go away? What people push to the edges? What, how how does that look in the in the new world? Well, I wrote a book. I wrote a book on this. We threw it up here. That book? A, this book right here. <laughs> this happens to be right here. Wow, what a coincidence. Uh, what's a coincidence? No, it was actually in the shelf. I've been in this is my fourth interview in this office. So I I we've we've talked about this book before in here. It's a, the book's Unapologetic Freedom. It's a book about the last 200 years of censorship. It it talks about the story of how we got to this place. What most people don't realize is the censorship occurring on centralized social media has not just been a result of really woke employees in San Francisco. It's the driven of the business model of these social networks, which was the advertisers and the brands. Mm -hmm. uh, I was sitting in those meetings for a long time. I, I worked at, I was inside at Unilever when I was running the Amplify. And there was a whole division called brand safety. And under the guides of brand safety, uh, the brands would say, we do not want to be associated with people like this, with messages like this, 
with all this. So in order for us to give you ad spend, you need to remove all this content from your platform. So under the guides of brand safety drives a division called safety. And that safety division follows the guides of brand safety and says what content is approved and what content is not approved. It's the function of the business model of advertising that's driven most of the censorship of these platforms. Mm. That's what people don't really want to always talk about. It's like, well, why are we censoring in the first? Oh, it's under the guides of safety. No, no, no. It's under the guides of dollars. Mm. And so if you create a system that is not monetized by a third-party advertiser, you remove an entire friction point of, well, what can go on here? What shouldn't go on here? Like, I'm not being tied by this advertiser. Mm. I now have a new way to make money. Elon realized this. 50% of Elon's revenue has disappeared in the last month. And he said, I need a way to make money. If so, this thing doesn't go bankrupt. $8 a month. $8 a month is the thing. Everyone's got to pay $8 a month. And you get this blue thing on your profile because he knew that advertising was the future end state of the business. And we don't, we knew that either. We launched and we said, we're not an ad business. You got to pay to run your own node. This is how it works. We got to make money. Mm. So censorship has occurred on centralized social media platforms because of this specific reason. Mm. So if you build a network that is not required to be, to run on top of this type of a system, then you have this open opportunity for a new type of network. Can the user self monetize? Mm. And that's been our business model. If you're a creator and you want to develop a community that makes you money, we take a certain fee on that. If, if we want to look at all the transactions that are running inside the network, we take a fee on top of those transactions. Unless you're self-hosting. Hmm. Interesting. So you're removing, it's a totally different business because in legacy social media, the advertisers are the customers. And you are the product. Right. And now in this model, you are the... The creators are our... You're both the producer and the consumer, right? As you produce in, content, you're getting paid. My, As you consume, you're paying. Mike, in, in this model, my customer are creators. Right. Creators, people that build audiences and want to monetize against their audiences, those are our core customers. But also their audiences, right? As they're sending likes and whatnot. In some ways, yes. But yeah. I would say the core target of who is my customer is creators the creators themselves of course and this because is anyone posting to social media exactly right? and anyone Obviously that those wants with to larger build audiences or larger customers but those with smaller audiences are still customers exactly exactly and once these customers like it, it's the same thing of some of these like once you start building a large enough audience you need tools to manage your audiences mm -hmm. you need tools for your websites for your mm -hmm podcast hosting for all that. But the promises that we make is you just get a larger cut because of the way the money is made, mm. right? You just get a larger cut of the pie because lightning allows- Because disintermediating the The legacy system, right. exactly. But yeah. it's not just public. Look at, if we look at direct support platforms, let's look at Patreon. In order for you to be paid by your fans in Patreon, there's like seven companies in between that transaction. Mm. We have the credit card, the credit card processor, the website of the credit card processor, the bank, there's a settlement layer in between all that, bank. interchange bank, there's all these like different layers. And then on Zion, it's what? You send a like, you send a boost, you send a transaction, you're streaming sats for a video and it goes straight to your lightning wallet. You could hit send out to a, you can instantly send it to a non-custodial wallet from there. And then you could spend it on anything that you want. Right. This is within seconds. This is when, within seconds. We're not talking about a third. Um, OnlyFans is a 60-day payment window. Mm -hmm. 60 days from when someone sees something to get to that end state. And that's because We're, of all the chargeback risk, right? Of course. And because, because we've run, because these systems are based upon credit, not money. Mm. Right? So this is the, the distinction between yes. the entire creator economy has been built on this layer of credit. Right. For the past 20 years. Yeah. It's a credit-based system, not a, not a monetary. Deferred settlement versus final settlement. Exactly. Yeah. And now we're moving up the value stack to say that, look, there's an opportunity here where you can rebuild this entire business model. And we could say that you as a fan can provide instant value transfer to your favorite creator and not worry about these intermediaries that you have no idea about that's taking 5%, 2%, 1%, 5%, 2%, 1%, all across the payment board mm. and allow you to actually monetize in a free way. Like to me, that there's like, 
there's a beauty to that. Like, I want to live in a world like that. I want to live in a world like this exists, except we digitize it. Because that's not how it works in the digital world, right? When you send a message, there's 10 people that are in between this transaction. That's not how humans work. That's not how humans work. But now we finally have a technology that makes it possible. We finally do. Right. Why wouldn't we innovate to build this type of a thing? It's like every, well, I mean, ever since we've been speaking, there have been people that want to censor those who speak, you know, don't want certain ideas to circulate. But that problem became more pronounced as a technology gave us larger larger reach, larger platforms. And now on social media, you know, you can send a tweet to millions of people. Um, that becomes, I guess, a target for censorship in a lot of ways. And what you're describing is this would be the freedom of speech in the digital age. Like this is uh, a way to communicate that is resistant to censorship ultimately and maps onto the actual economic flows of the communication itself. Absolutely. I'm, I'm afraid to use words like freedom of speech because it's, it's polarizing. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying which to be like, weird, which is but. fucking weird, but like, I'm, I'm really in the middle. Like my political beliefs lie really in the middle. I think the left is crazy. I think the right is crazy. I'm just kind of in the middle. So I prefer not to use charged language and I'm, you know, it's weird that that's considered charged language, mm -hmm. but I'm just trying to build systems that allow for openness of communication. Mm an openness of value transfer, an openness of ideas. But I think there's another element to this that's very important, which is right now, I think the thing that has made Twitter, I think that has made Twitter very bad is the sheer horror that can be created by how your words can be said to another individual with no consequences. Mm. The challenges of centralized social media is that we've also built systems with basically zero consequences where mm. you can start an account with an email address and you could basically spew hate to anybody that you want and you have no, and particularly no financial consequences for mm. what you do. And this is where that building a social product on top of money allows this to also be the safest place on the web. And I'm going to give you an example to why Zion is the safest place in the world when it comes to digital speech. When you post a comment inside of a community, and we have your community, for example, the Robert Breedlove community, there's three payments that you make in order to post a comment inside the network. One is the, the payment to join the community. And then when you're trying to drive an individual piece of content, you have two payments that are made every single time you decide to contribute to the community. One is you as an administrator can decide a price per post. If I want to send a message and if I want it to be seen by the Robert Breedlove community, this is how much it's going to cost to post that. Let's say it's a thousand sats. There's a secondary transaction in there, which is the price to stake. The stake is actually an amount, a quite a large amount in this case, that if you as the creator, so let's say a comment is made and it's very hateful to you or to the community and you delete that comment, because remember we're in your house. We're not in an open town square. Mm. We are in Robert Breedlove's home, his digital community. You delete that comment. They now not only lose the payment for the comment, they also lose the stake that was made in order to make the comment in the first place. Mm. The stake has a contract period. It could be up to 24 hours. So if the contract, if the, if the content stays, that comment that was made is a good comment. It's a comment that contributes to the community. That second payment gets returned back to the wallet instantly. So you only pay that price to comment to the community. You don't pay the fine if you were a bad actor. Mm. What this now does is that it eliminates, completely eliminates the idea of a bot or spam. Why? Bots and spam only work because they're free. Of course. If there are monetary consequences that are related to you posting inside of a network, not monetary restrictions. This is not restricting you from commenting. You could make the price to post zero, but the stake a thousand sats and you still delete the spam. The people, anyone can contribute to the community, but they get fined zero. It'll be a zero sum base. Mm -hmm. But the bots have no incentive to be on that network because they get fined a thousand, two thousand, a right. hundred thousand Satoshis every time they make a mistake. Where do the fines go? The fines go directly to the creator. Oh, so the creator that deleted the comment. Yep. Well, that's a weird incentive for the creator, maybe. Why? I don't know. They're getting paid for deleting comments. Yeah, but 
after a very short amount of time, the community starts catching on like, oh, is this guy just mm-hmm. deleting comments? Why the fuck are we going to trust this guy? you just lose your followers. Then you lose your followers. Your right. job is to cultivate this relationship, not to screw them out of 100,000 sats. Right. We're building systems to disincentivize bad actors. Mm-hmm. And this is now the unpack of if you can build a network on money, what is possible? These are just one of these examples. By the way, I didn't invent this. This this comes like in the book. I really outlined right. this comes from Adam Back. Yeah. This is Hashcash, Paula Toy at Sphinx. They kind of built the staking pr- procedure and we're just following this stuff. Like mm-hmm. this was built by geniuses way before me, but now we're applying it to a much more scaled network. This only works if you build a social network on money. Mm. It doesn't work any other way. Like you can't like, you couldn't do this with a credit card transaction. That's kind of like what civilization is, right? A social network built on money. Yeah. So you're just replicating it in the <laughs> digital space. I mean, that's what, I mean, I think that's why the name is so important is that there's also this concept that like Zion is our last like hope or civilization. There's all mm. these like religious, I'm not religious, but there's all these like religious re- re- uh, revelations to it as well. There's like, it's a very interesting, like this could be the end state of what we want digitally, or at least the protocol is, right? Like I'm not... I'm not necessarily saying that Zion as a client, as the app that's on the app store will be the most successful app in the space. But I think these technical patterns will. I think the idea of using lightning for payments, DWNs as data storage and DIDs as identity, I think this is the beginning. And we're gonna see actually December, early December, we're launching our white paper that outlines this entire technology stack. And I think that even if someone like, my contribution to the world, like even if someone takes that, and forks all of our open source code and goes build something, I did something good for the world, I right. think. So what is the revenue model then? Because I, I presume that force keeps you honest, honestly. You're, Very you're, honest. You're going to treat your customers as best you can, knowing that they have full access to a protocol and could build something in parallel. So what is the revenue model for Zion? So I guess today cr- and in long run. Creators, creators pay us to host all of their content and their communities on our own shared node experience mm-hmm. and building node infrastructure for them to create their own communities. They pay us 12 bucks a month to create communities on our application. Mm-hmm. And then we take a very small transaction fee across all the transactions in the network because they're running through our routing nodes. Same way it works at all lightning actually, like you get routing fees. Right. That's the way that Zion makes money. We're not doing ads. We're not getting a third party to monetize this machine. Um, and yeah, that's kind of. And then I guess in the long run, it would be kind of a race to the bottom on transaction fees because the, it's built with open primitives that could move. I, I, I think the end state of the revenue model is a marketplace, right? So mm. similarly to right now, there's a marketplace, but instead of a marketplace for t-shirts and shoes, we're a marketplace for content. Mm. Interesting. Sounds very much like a social network. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what but it is. I mean, I mean, ultimately, that's what these things are. They're marketplaces, but they yeah. haven't had a financial incentive. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's, yeah, marketplace in the broadest sense of like a forum for free and consensual exchange. It just, we've been doing social media without the monetary piece attached to the information. Yeah, and yeah. What you're the describing mo- here is the money is now integrated to the flow of likes and content creation and all that. And and also like what's really important, and this is another like very important primitive, is that the day you start on Zion, particularly Zion V2, every single piece of content, every message, every reply, every D, everything that you do is signed by your DID, is signed by your private key. So what's very important, that that's because the private keys in, is encrypted on the secure storage of the device. Zion has no access to private keys. We have no idea what your actual DID signing is. You will have full access to it. Is, is now you have this chain of information that you can take with you anywhere that you want, not just interoperably, but now we know that that message that you sent to that other person or that DM or that reply that you made or that video, we know that that's cryptographically secured to your private key forever because you're the only one that was able to send that from your device. Now we're gonna be removing the concept of deep faking. Like deep faking is a fucking horrible thing. But how do we know who uploads that original deep fake is that it has to be signed by this private key that's only held on that secure device. Hmm. That's another whole other thing is that like every message in Zion is signed cryptographically by your DID and your private key. That's a completely new unlock that we have. Most people just use like a JWT token, like, okay, this username signed it off, or like this was posted by this email address. Emails can get hacked all the time. 
You can get a new username and password, but secure storage on the device cannot. So then that's tethering all the pieces of content to an original creator via their DID. Absolutely. So then it's uh, hashing ownership of the content. I mean, it's not ownership. It's it's just signing of the messages. Creation of the content. You yeah. see who created it. Who created it. And that's a DID that can't be deleted. Because it's on Bitcoin Core. Right. The DID now lives on the most immutable database ever created, Bitcoin. Interesting. Like it's not sitting on Zion servers. That's, that's your DID lives on Bitcoin Core and did Ion. And you can do this with videos, photos, anything. Everything, everything in the network is signed by your DID. That's really interesting too that you get this almost like an immutable history. But the content, the history can now be composed of whatever content. And 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 most importantly, once we once we have the ability, which we're still a few months away of being able to port that content to your own home server or port all that information to your own decentralized web node. This is not there today, but it will be there soon. Now you have replicas of that message signing. Mm. You have replicas in two different places to say, okay, now all that content lives in other places. And now you have your own time chain that you can have forever. That to me is a very interesting thing that this unlocks. Cause right now Twitter doesn't even let you do that. Like your tweets won't live on for history. Your tweets won't live on forever. Even if you want to back up your tweets, you're like, ugh, cause it's not your tweets. Or you it's can archive your data, or you can download your Twitter data. I've done that. Okay. I don't know. I mean, you get but, a zip file. Okay, that's fine. But what if you want to like move that to your own platform? You can't do that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's just a download. It's just a snapshot of what you've done on Twitter. It's not yeah. like you can peel your followers off and go somewhere else. Yeah. Well, very interesting. It's uh, definitely an ambitious vision, but it also seems like something we really need. We got a lot of problems in the world um, that this would solve. It's a bit. It's a big idea, but but again, like this is not driven by me. There's like geniuses that I'm just following. Aren't like this, <laughs> there's like there's just really smart people, and I just like I read a lot. I mean, if I look at my weeks, it's you know Mondays are big meeting days, but I spend most of my days reading, researching, putting things together. It's been my I'm a product guy at heart, right? Like I put all these pieces together. I'm like, hey, this and this and this, that would work in this. Mm, very you know? cool. So you talked a little bit about your last company. You had a successful exit. This company's a little bit, there's a new path for you though. Yeah. Right? You've, you've raised outside money. First time. First time ever. Um, there's obviously a lot of pressure that comes with that. Scary, man. Scary at times. And we weren't sure if we we're going to talk about it or not, but I have to ask you about the fear of failure because it's something that I've struggled with in my life. And mm. um, I, it feels better now. I don't know if I'm just getting older or maybe becoming a father. Something kind of shifted. I, I've, I feel like I deal with it much better now than I used to, but um, it could also be circumstances, right? As you said, you're in a different set of circumstances where failure maybe has a higher cost. Yeah. So how do you wrestle with that? It's a thing that I wake up every day and I'm thinking about. I, um, I've had a successful career in my life. I started my first company when I was 24, sold it when I was 27, made the Forbes list when I was 28, and basically had enough money to retire for the rest of my life. Like had fucked on it. Like for me, like I'm decently simple and I'm okay forever. I can buy anything I want. I can go anywhere that I want. I can fly on anything that I want. I can own, like I can almost own anything that I want. And then I get, I get really sick. I had my seizure and that whole, and I had brain surgery and I like really thought to myself, I was like, is this the end for me? Right? Like, am I really going to retire at 29 years old? Is this really what I'm supposed to do? And then 2020, I'm like, like I got to start another company and I get pulled into this thing. And at the beginning, I was like, look, I'm going to do this all on my own. I'm going to just use my own money. And if I fail, it's just my own failure and there's nothing wrong. And then I quickly realized, like, if I really want this thing to have a world impact, I have to bring in really a powerful people. And that's when I brought Tony Robbins in and all these other people. And now I've raised over $7 million. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, if I fuck this up, my entire career is going to collapse. These are the fucked up stories I'm telling myself. Like, like I'm going to lose everything and no one's ever going to trust me again. I'm going to be a loser. No one will ever like, they, they only think of the last thing that you've ever done. I'm no longer successful. I'm telling myself all of these horrible stories, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, I am my own worst critic and mm -hmm. everything that I've done. I was never, 
you know, I had amazing parents, but there, there were times in my, like, I was just never good enough. Mm -hmm. Um, like I was not a good student in school and there would be times my parents would be like, you're never going to amount to, you know, if you don't get good grades, like you're a failure. And, um, I got very bad grades and I don't think I'm a failure, but that, that ingrained something in me that I was never good enough. Mm. And if this thing doesn't work out, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm not good. I, I don't have enough to be loved. I will never be loved. That's like mm. the proxy that I have in my brain. I was like, if I'm not successful financially, I can never be loved. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm going through this entire story exercise in my, in my mind. And now Zion has full bore attention of a lot of people. It's not this like, my last company was interesting because nobody knew who I was, right? Like I was a nobody that built a great business. It was very profitable. I sold it. Yeah, maybe I was, it was an article on the cover of the Wall Street Journal, but nobody read it. It didn't matter. Nobody knew know who I was. This is a much more public thing. And there's a lot of people that have eyes on this project now. And I have, I took people's money. So it's just, I'm constantly thinking of like the fear of failure. Am I making the right decision? Mm. Am I spending the money in the right way? Am I being judicious of my investor's capital? What happens if I like, if I hire this person and they fuck, like what happens here? Like, oh, I got to fire this person quickly because they're not, they're not doing this. They're not committed enough. There's just so many decisions that are being made. And I think about that every day. But the thing that, that brings light to me is that at the end of the day, I'm solving fucking problems. Mm. And the only way to solve them is to take a thing at bat. Is that every day I'm waking up and I'm pushing forward and I'm learning. Mm -hmm. The thing is, yes, I failed. I've hired really terrible fucking people. I've hired good people. I fired tons of people. I've made good technical decisions. I've made bad technical decisions. But at the end of the day, I'm getting better over time. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm getting stronger. I'm getting smarter. I'm getting like, and I'm learning and I'm growing, but I'm constantly thinking about like, if I fuck this up, like what is the world gonna look like? Like, is Robert ever gonna be my friend? Like, is Robert, like if I fail at Zion, like I ask myself, like, is Robert still gonna be my friend? Is, um, can I still call so-and-so for advice? Right, like, will this person ever talk to me again if I fail? Right. And I like, I, I ask myself that question every day and, and I have so much fear. Like, I don't wanna lose your friendship. Right, like well, I appreciate our friendship. I know, but it's I'm, not actually on the line. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know that. I know I, I can relate to the feeling though of, and this is a dangerous. I don't. This maybe this men and women do this, but it seems like the men that I know, my friends, a lot of them are like this. That we attach our identity to our accomplishments, and that if we don't have accomplishments or if we have failure that we somehow feel like we're losing our social relevance or our identity as you're saying friendship meaningfulness in the lives of others right and we we derive all of our meaning through participation in the lives of others right that's think of the most meaningful things in your life their relationships with someone probably your family your loved ones etc so it's it's a weird there's a lot of pressure there and it can create very real consequences to relationships but ultimately i think it's a it's a psychological failing when we attach our identity to our accomplishments something i'm struggling with myself it's like who are who am i separate from the things that i accomplish in the world and as a man that's a very hard thing to disentangle because we are largely defined by what we do right the actions we take it is ultimately the actions we take that define us but our actions and our accomplishments aren't necessarily the same things either. Yeah. You can take all the right actions and still have a really bad outcome. Yeah. You could take wrong actions and get really lucky and have a great outcome. So we have to, I don't know, accept the randomness, I guess, that we're dealing with because that's ultimately what you're doing. Right? You're taking these at-bats, trying to solve a problem. That's coping with the uncertainty of the world all the time. But I don't know. I haven't figured it, figured it out myself, but... I, I, it's a I, real struggle. Yeah, and it's something that I ask myself: like, would like these friends be friends with me if I didn't have money? Hmm. It's an honest question that I ask myself: like, do they actually give a shit? Yeah, and I come to the conclusion that most people don't give a shit. Actually, yeah, right. Like most don't people don't give do. a fuck. I don't think people give a fuck. But it and is a worry that rich people have in general. It's like, are these people around me just because of I have money or I have whatever status, the the party, the friends, the right circles? Yeah. It's a concern people have. Yeah. 
And it's not, it, it's, it's, and, and by no means do I have like this crazy amount of money that I should be referred to in that way. But I still wonder like if I had not done the things that I did in my life, would I be worthy of such friendships? Right. I think about worthiness a lot in my mm. life. Like, am I worthy? Am I an individual that's worthy of that? Mm. And it's the thing like, oh man, I got to like do all these things to like, I have to do things for you to love me. Mm. I've been in this entire, like, I always am like in this thinking of like, if I don't do this, then this person won't love me or this, you know, this relationship will not happen mm-hmm. or they only love me because of this reason. Do they actually love me? And it's all this dichotomy that we have in love. Like, mm-hmm. like we're all searching for love. We're all searching for like to be part of tribe. Yeah. Um, we're all searching for people to be like, oh yeah, I want to, I want to be friends with that person. Love and belonging, I think, is what Jeff Booth says. He says all human action is motivated by love, the pursuit of love and belonging, and, and be part of the tribe. Makes a lot of sense. Um, we want to be part of a tribe, and you know, I don't know. I, I hope that my decisions in life will eventually like lead to me having people that will like love me for who I am, not what I do. Mm. That's what I really hope that I can end up in life. That mm. that to me will be a successful life. I think I've led a very successful life, but I mean, this is the mind. The mind likes to make you question your decisions every day. Mm-hmm. What did I do that wrong? Should I have done that? Should I have not done that? Right. Just questions all the things that we're doing every single day Yeah. in our pursuit of love. Yeah. Well, I think that is probably a lovely place to end it. Uh, <laughs> where can my audience find out more about you or your work? So our website is zion.fyi. Um, you could go get information. Every, all the information will be there, our guide, our white paper. You can download the app there. Um, to find me, I'm on social media as Justin Rezvani, R-E-Z-V-A-N-I. And um, I won't DM you about crypto advice. <laughs> so I'm only verified <laughs> on all my channels. Um, and I put a lot of videos on Instagram and um, reach out. I, my DMs are always open. I can answer most questions if, it's, if it makes sense. And um, thanks for taking the time to do this, man. This was nice. Yeah, this is great. Thanks for coming on. Um, appreciate the wide ranging discussion going from <laughs> the technical to the love. So we'll do it again. It's all for love, brother. Thanks, man.